What are the folks who run the Cuyahoga County Jail thinking? That's the question of the week on this bonus episode of This Week in the CLE, when we consider the intriguing questions that linger from the week's news. Our regular episodes, published on Thursdays, feature the reporters and editors of Cleveland.com breaking down the news. It's Saturday, March 7th, and I'm your host, Cleveland.com editor Chris Quinn. If you operate a county jail that has been in the news for inhumane treatment of inmates so severe that some were committing suicide not long ago, would you cut those inmates off from in-person visits with loved ones? That's what Cuyahoga County Jail officials did, and the basic question here is, what are they thinking? Instead of letting inmates talk to relatives through a glass window, the jail is forcing the conversations onto iPad-style tablets. That means people, generally of lesser means, who trek downtown to visit their relatives will go into a room and be given a tablet to communicate through. And if people want to have such communications from home, they will have to pay handsomely for the privilege with the county pocketing a lot of the money. News of this, reported by Cleveland.com's Adam Faris, brought the obvious outrage from inmate advocates and others, including a county councilman who called the move morally bankrupt. But it brought little by way of explanation from the administration of County Executive Armand Abudish, Unlike other jail matters, which have been subject of much discussion in public meetings, this happened almost in silence. So again, what were they thinking? Will the long-term effect of the China coronavirus be a healthier Northeast Ohio, and for that matter, all of America? Never has more attention been paid to the little things we can do to prevent ourselves from contracting a virus. Aside from the 22nd rule for handwashing that we have heard repeatedly, we also now are quite aware of the number of times we touch our faces each day and why we should stop. We're quite aware now of how many surfaces we touch each day that likely have been touched by many others, including some who might be contagious. So yes, the coronavirus will sweep through these parts in the near future, and a lot of us will get sick and the majority of us will get better. Eventually, a vaccine will offer protection from it. When it is over, what will the lesson be? Will we, as a society, be healthier because of the many lessons we've learned in preparing for this pandemic? Will we have kits in our houses for getting past the next one? Or will we soon forget? Why can't a country as technologically advanced as the United States stop that scourge of your cell phone, the robocall? They're so ubiquitous and so annoying that Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost declared war on them this week. He has put together a task force to prosecute the people who make the calls. He has a hotline for you to report them. He claims that 2.2 billion of the illegal calls are made to Ohioans a year. The people on my subtext account say that number might be way too low. They hate these calls, and one subscriber to my free service said the calls create danger. Elderly people who get lots of the calls stop treating any calls with urgency, which means they might miss genuinely urgent calls. 
You'd think, though, that the phone services, using all the algorithms at their disposal, could get rid of these calls on their own. Here we are, though, in the year 2020, getting harassed by the calls all day long. Credit Dave Yost for taking this on, but why can't our technology solve this problem? If marijuana becomes as legal as alcohol in Ohio, how does our culture change? Will neighborhood parties of the future be equal parts beer drinker and marijuana smoker? Will the aroma of marijuana become as common as the froth of beer or the clink of a wine glass? We have not had a poll on this in a while, but the last time we did, more than half of Ohioans supported full legalization. We might have a constitutional amendment on the ballot this fall to make marijuana legal. A group has submitted paperwork to start the process and has some hoops to jump through to get to the ballot, but there is a real chance of legal marijuana in this state. And it would come with the ability for people to grow as many as six plants at a time, which could result in a culture change for home gardening. Everyone alive today grew up with marijuana being illegal. And if it were used, it was done so furtively. What happens to the social life in this state if it is suddenly out in the open and completely legal? Could declaring racism a public health threat in Cleveland be the next step forward in getting this region to overcome the bias that so clearly exists against African Americans? Cleveland City Council wants to do just that and in doing so, launch a task force aimed at figuring out ways forward. The idea of racism as a public health problem has been strongly reinforced by all the research in Cleveland about the high infant mortality rate for African Americans. Researchers have proven pretty clearly that when you remove all the previously suspected factors, wealth, nutrition, neighborhood, etc., African American babies die at much higher rates than all others. The working theory now, and it has science behind it, is that African Americans continue to meet racist attitudes even if those attitudes are not intentional and that puts them at risk. They are treated differently by medical professionals and others they meet, compromising their health care and creating stress. So if Cleveland declares racism a health threat, will that help us all better recognize in ourselves the challenges that we present to the African Americans in our lives? We deal with some weighty issues in this bonus episode of This Week in the CLE, but we've had a lot of weighty news of late. Thanks for listening to and considering what we discuss here, and please come back next week for another round of questions raised by the news of the week. (music) 